Welcome to the Shortwave Report. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. The Shortwave Report is a 30-minute review of news and opinion heard on the shortwave radio and the internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcasts at home is quite easy. You just need a shortwave radio with a schedule of English language broadcast, or it's simpler to use a computer or smartphone with an internet connection. To help you with this, I'll announce times, frequencies, and website addresses at the conclusion of each series of stories. At the website for this show, that's out farpress.com. You can listen to the past five shortwave reports, find advice for listening to shortwave at home, and find internet links for global news sources. Please check it out and tell a friend. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from France 24, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, Radio Havana Cuba, and NHK Japan. We will begin with France 24. South African President Ramaphosa is heading up a delegation of six African countries to visit Zelensky and Putin on a peace mission to end the war in Ukraine. In the past 40 years, Europe has lost one quarter of its bird population, mainly due to intensive farming using pesticides. France 24. South Africa's President Cyril Ramaphosa says that he'll be heading up a delegation of six African leaders who will meet Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky and, separately, Russian President Vladimir Putin on a peace mission for the war in Ukraine. Zambia, Senegal, Congo, Uganda and Egypt are reportedly part of the initiative, which will happen in Moscow and Kiev. Nadine Tron has more. Cyril Ramaphosa has called both the presidents of Russia and Ukraine over the weekend to discuss an African peace mission to help resolve the conflict between the two countries. This follows allegations made by the United States ambassador to South Africa last week that South Africa is supplying arms to Russia and that this means the country is deviating from its neutral stance on the war. But Ruben Brigitte has in the meantime apologized for these claims and Ramaphosa has launched an independent inquiry into it. The Russian embassy also denied these claims. On Tuesday, Ramaphosa says he discussed efforts for peaceful resolution to the war with both presidents Vladimir Putin and Volodymyr Zelensky. He also discussed the impact that the war has had on the African continent. Ramaphosa says both leaders agreed to receive an African peace mission led by heads of state from Zambia, Senegal, Congo, Uganda, Egypt and South Africa. Although no date has been set for the mission, Ramaphosa says its imminent preparations have already started and it will happen as soon as possible. Ramaphosa said in his weekly newsletter that he's been under extreme pressure to pick a side in the war and that he won't, that South Africa remains impartial and hopes for peaceful resolution. Now, Europe has lost about one quarter of its bird population in the last 40 years. The trend is well documented, but a new study from the Proceedings of the National Academy of Science brings a new understanding to why that is the case. And intensive farming seems to be the key reason for the disappearance of birds more than global warming or urbanisation. Shirley Sipbon joins us from the Science Desk. Shirley, hello. hello. Why do scientists say intensive farming is the main reason? And do we also have precise figures on the number of birds that have been lost? 
Yes, uh, we do. Uh, they say it's uh, intensive farming because that's where most of the birds are dying. Uh, 57% down in rural areas. In 40 years, we lost 800 million birds. That, uh, that's about 20 million per year. And this is basically due to uh, the loss of biodiversity, due to mass farming, intensive farming with all the pesticides and fertilizers, very few trees, and birds needs, uh, in need insects to live, especially young birds. That's the, their diet. Uh, and when those disappear, well, basically the birds end up disappearing as well. It's not uh, the only reason. There are also, uh, there's a number of factors. Uh, also in uh, urban, uh, urban areas, there's also been a decline of more than 28 uh, percent because there's not as much green areas, not as many green areas. Uh, and uh, the food is of low quality for birds, not much biodiversity. So the situation is complicated. Uh, and also there's also the forest areas. There are less forests. So also there's a decline over there. I mean, that's just an extraordinary figure when you think about it. 25% of the bird population on this continent has lost, but not all species react in the same way, do they, Shirley? I mean, some have disappeared or are endangered. Others, however, are still safe. So what makes the difference? Well, it depends on the areas where they live. And also, well, apparently smaller birds can uh, can beat back the heat, can survive uh, with little water and uh, growing temperatures. Uh, so we've seen them surviving better. There are also birds who come from the warmer areas, like the Mediterranean, for example. Well, they survive better. The ones in northern Europe, the ones used to cold air and to cold temperatures, well, they've been uh, dying massively. Uh, the numbers are really different from one to another minus 40 percent for northern birds and minus 18 percent for the ones who are used to uh, warmer temperatures. But still, it's a massive decline all over uh, the place. That's something that they've noticed throughout the years. Now, there are solutions to protect birds, but not all of them are ready to be put into place. Can you give us some examples of what scientists say need to be done? Well, it all comes down to what we've been saying, to beating back the factors that cause this problem. Of course, this, uh, there's urbanization, there's uh, changing farming to, you know, the traditional farming using less chemicals, less pesticides, less of fertilizers. Of course, residents in big cities and across Europe, uh, they've been getting used to uh, having bird, bird houses and, you know, giving organic food, uh, organic grains to birds and uh, insects. But that's just uh, not enough to, to preserve the populations of birds across Europe. That's not going to bring them back. And we've been uh, also seeing something in the Netherlands uh, yet, over the weekend. They've actually stopped wind turbines, offshore wind turbines, to protect birds coming coming into Europe and they're extremely proud of this. This may be a new trend because sometimes they come with in large groups and we know this two days ahead so this can be planned out. Anyway, the goal was to protect those groups coming in and to, to save those birds from dying uh, in, with the turbines moving so fast. Uh, and of course, the thing that we're watching for is really changing the agriculture, but that's something that is global and it's going to be complicated for also political reasons and the use of uh, this intensive farming because there are so many needs in Europe, but the mindset needs to change. That was, that's what many people have been saying. And it goes for birds as well to preserving them, biodiversity in general and everyone in the end. Shelly Sipon, thank you for that. 
those reports were from France 24. France 24 may be easily found at their website, france24.com, as well as a YouTube channel called France 24 English and most major podcast sites. On to Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. The United Kingdom announced it is sending long-range missiles to Ukraine as well as depleted uranium shells as used in Iraq and Kosovo. Russia considers this an escalation of the war. An explanation of the problems caused by the use of depleted uranium follows. The World Meteorological Society says the next five years will break heat records and most likely exceed the 1.5 degrees Celsius threshold. Former French President Sarkozy lost his appeal for his three-year prison sentence for corruption. The Ecuadorian President Lasso dissolved the opposition-led Congress just as impeachment hearings began. Demonstrators have rallied in Argentina against austerity measures imposed to comply with the terms of an IMF loan. Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. The United Kingdom has announced it is sending long-range cruise missiles to Ukraine to help it push back Russian forces. The UK's Defence Minister Ben Wallace told lawmakers Britain is supplying storm shadow missiles with a range of more than 250 kilometres. They should allow Ukraine to hit targets deep inside Russian-held territory, including in occupied Crimea. The UK is not only donating long-range missiles to Ukraine, it's also shipping depleted uranium shells. DW understands this ammunition has now arrived in Ukraine. Russia claims the supply of these shells is a nuclear escalation of the conflict. When Britain announced it would send Challenger 2 tanks to Ukraine, Russia said the move was a material escalation. It's become known today that the UK, in the words of its Deputy Defence Minister, not only announced the supply of tanks to Ukraine, but also ammunition with depleted uranium. The collective West is starting to use weapons with a nuclear component. Putin's problem? These tanks come with shells made with depleted uranium. So what is depleted uranium? And does it pose a nuclear threat? Depleted uranium is a metal that is a byproduct from the process through which uranium is enriched for nuclear power plants and nuclear weapons. It is radioactive, but 40% less than natural uranium. It's used in ammunition because it is dense, 70% more dense than lead, and can penetrate thick armor, like that on a tank. When you fire that round and it hits the tank, so the, the, the tip, the uranium, it sharpens on impact, it pierces through the armor and ignites. So it doesn't just go through, it also causes an ignition. And if you're in that tank or, and I don't know, an infantry fighting vehicle or whatever it is, then radiation is the last thing you worry about because you risk being basically burned to death if you haven't died on impact. Depleted uranium weapons have been used in wars in Iraq and Kosovo. They're not banned by international law, but they are controversial. After the war in Kosovo and Bosnia, media reports suggested a link between the use of depleted uranium ammunition and higher incidences of cancers in NATO troops who had served there, as well as in civilian populations. 
A NATO Commission report in 2001 stated that scientific and medical research disproved links between depleted uranium and the reported negative health effects. But the UN's nuclear watchdog says there are dangers. The International Atomic Energy Agency says depleted uranium gets into the body the same way as uranium, mainly through contaminated food, water and even air. It says in cases of high intake, uranium is likely to become a chemical toxicology problem before it is a radiological problem. In other words, uranium will poison you before you suffer any radiation problems. And the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs says that depleted uranium is just as toxic for human health as natural uranium. In fact, the department has an ongoing monitoring program for veterans who've been exposed to depleted uranium. Even though depleted uranium shells are considered conventional weapons, Vladimir Putin said he would retaliate by stationing tactical nuclear weapons in neighboring Belarus. The World Meteorological Organization says there's a nearly 70% chance the world will uh, reach record warming in the next five years. According to the latest report from the UN body, exceeding the 1.5 degrees Celsius threshold for limiting the worst effects of climate change is now more likely than ever. Former President of France, Nicolas Sarkozy, has lost his appeal against a three-year prison sentence for corruption. A court in Paris ruled that two of the years be suspended and that he, he should wear an electronic bracelet for the remaining year. The sentence also bans him from public office for three years. Ecuador's President Guillermo Lasso has dissolved the opposition-led Congress, citing a grave political crisis. The leftist National Assembly had been holding impeachment proceedings against him for alleged embezzlement. Elections must now be held within six months. President Lasso is currently ruling by decree. Thousands of demonstrators have rallied in Argentina's capital, Buenos Aires. Workers are protesting against government austerity measures imposed to comply with a $44 billion loan from the International Monetary Fund. Activists are planning to set up camp in the city. Those reports were from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, which may be heard at a combined audio-video website, DW.com, as well as on YouTube at their channels called DW News and DW Documentary. On to Radio Havana, Cuba. In Brazil, under Lula da Silva, the rate of the deforestation of the Amazon basin has greatly diminished. Anti-monarchists in England were rounded up and held during the coronation based on strict new laws against peaceful protesters. Mexican President Obrador will not hand over leadership of the Pacific Alliance to Peru. Why are Central Americans fleeing their countries for uncertainty at the U.S. border? Radio Havana, Cuba. The Brazilian Institute for Space Studies, the INPE, reported Friday that deforestation of the Brazilian Amazon rainforest fell 67.9% in April, compared to the same month in 2022. 
in April last year. 1,026 square kilometers of rainforest were lost in the Amazon region. However, this year the figure is 329 square kilometers, the Institute indicated. The first four months of the year, there was a 41% drop in the year-on-year comparison of deforestation in the Amazon rainforest. April's result is the first month with a reduction in Amazon deforestation in Brazil since President Lula da Silva took office on January the 1st, 2010. Lula has stepped up the crackdown on environmental crime, including the use of police force to against illegal mining on indigenous lands. Deforestation of the Brazilian Amazon soared by 60% in the four years of Jair Bolsonaro's government, 19-22, compared to the previous four-year term. An anti-monarchy group says it plans to take legal action against the London police over their heavy-handed response to the protests during the coronation of King Charles. London's Metropolitan Police arrested 64 people around last week's coronation, mostly for allegedly planning to disrupt the coronation that drew hundreds of thousands of people into the streets of London. Four have been charged... Most have been released on bail, and six members of the anti-monarchist group Republic have been freed and told they will not face any charges. Graham Smith, the chief executive of the pressure group Republic, who was one of the six protesters arrested, said on Twitter that police had apologized to him in person. He, however, planned to talk to lawyers about taking legal action. Civil liberties groups across the police and the British government of stifling the right to protest with new powers to clamp down on peaceful but disruptive demonstrations. The police force, however, expressed regret that the activists were prevented from protesting but defended its handling of the coronation. Smith said three senior police officers had come to his house and apologized in person for the arrest that saw him held in custody for 16 hours. Concerns are growing over the increase in the police's power following the recent introduction of a controversial public order bill which empowers British police to take stronger action against peaceful protesters. Parts of the legislation came into force just days ahead of King Charles III's coronation. Mexican President Andres Manuel López Obrador reiterated Monday that he will not hand over the pro tempore presidency of the Pacific Alliance to the government of Peru. In his morning press conference at the National Palace, he responded to a question on the matter, in which he argued that he cannot hand over the presidency of the Pacific Alliance to Peru because Dina Boluarte is neither legally nor legitimately president of that nation, but is an usurper. He confirmed that in Peru, by imposing Boluarte and accepting her, despite being aware of her situation as a violator of the constitution of her own country, is against the will of the people. Quote, let the lady know, he said, that in 2024 I am retiring. I am closing my cycle. I will not participate again in politics, in anything. In response to Boluato's accusation of political interference, she, AMLO emphasized again, is usurping the position of President of Peru that corresponds constitutionally to Pedro Castillo, who is unjustly imprisoned there. 
Eskinde Negash, president of the U.S. Committee for Refugees and Immigrants, a non-profit organization based in Virginia, said most of the asylum seekers who head to the U.S. border are fleeing poverty and gang violence and have a lack of education due to the backwardness of the states rooted in U.S. imperialism. Quote, all of them are vulnerable, noting that many of the girls report being raped during the perilous journey to the United States in the hope of a better life. Quote, they travel hundreds of miles. They're not coming here because they want to go to Disneyland, Negash said. They come here because they have a well-founded fear of violence in their country, their governments or gangs. If that's not vulnerable, then I don't know what is. The Honduran boy was fleeing from the hell created for them over decades of U.S. leaders who openly pursue regime change operations in Latin American countries to install puppets and create banana republics, analysts confirm. U.S. leaders view Latin America as Washington's backyard with the Monroe Doctrine justifying any overt or covert military action in Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, Nicaragua, Venezuela and Cuba, as well as other Latin American countries. Those reports were from Radio Havana, Cuba. Cuba's website is working well at RadioHC.cu, though there's no podcast up there. On shortwave, Cuba may be heard from noon to 1 p.m. at 15.140, and from 6 p.m. to midnight at either 6,000, 60, or 61.65. At their website, you can stream the English version at noon, Monday through Friday, Pacific Daylight Saving Time. If you have questions or comments about the shortwave report or could assist me by supporting this listener-funded program, I may be reached through the website and PayPal or by writing to Dan Roberts at P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California, 95490. Please help me continue producing this weekly show, which I freely distribute to radio stations and the Internet, like listeners in Willits and Lower Lake California did this week. Many, many thanks. We will conclude with NHK Japan. As the G7 summit begins in Hiroshima, the head of the United Nations and the Japanese government both want to see the world eliminate nuclear weapons. Another goal of the meeting is to establish increased targets for renewable energy sources. In Thailand, the military-backed ruling party suffered a heavy defeat in the general election just held. NHK World Radio Japan the head of the United Nations has set out his hopes for this week's Group of Seven Summit in Hiroshima. Antonio Guterres wants more momentum in the push to rid the world of nuclear weapons. And he says host Japan should take the lead. This is the moment in which uh, we must insist on the need of revitalizing disarmament, and especially nuclear disarmament. Guterres spoke to Japanese media on Tuesday. He suggested the atomic bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki mean Japan is well-placed to promote the discussion on disarmament and non-proliferation. We believe it's time for the nuclear powers not only to affirm that they will never be first users of nuclear weapons, but that they will not use them in any circumstance. And... um, uh, I believe that uh, Japan has a particular moral authority in this regard. The UN chief also touched on climate change. 
He said the G7 nations has a special responsibility to act given their vast wealth. Guterres will attend a series of meetings on the sidelines of the summit, which starts on Friday. Japan's Prime Minister Kishida Fumio has arrived in Hiroshima to host his counterparts at the summit. Kishida landed at Hiroshima Airport just a short time ago. He arrived with his wife, Yuko, and was met by officials. He's scheduled to meet U.S. President Joe Biden before the summit officially gets underway. Earlier on Thursday, Kishida spoke about his goals for the meeting. I want the summit to be an opportunity to convey the G7 countries' strong determination towards a world without nuclear weapons and to safeguard a free and open international order based on the rule of law. Kishida hopes to highlight the risks of nuclear weapons in a city that was the site of the world's first atomic bombing in 1945. On Friday, leaders are scheduled to visit the Hiroshima Peace Memorial Museum detailing the devastation. Now, NHK has learned that officials from the G7 nations are working to include numerical targets for renewable energy in their declaration to be issued at their summit. A draft statement stresses that the introduction of clean energy needs to go much faster to achieve carbon neutrality. The document includes a pledge that the G7 members will raise offshore wind power generation sixfold and almost triple solar power generation by 2030 from current levels. The wind power figure is equivalent to the output of 180 large thermal power stations. That, for solar power, a 1,000 stations. Host nation Japan hopes to agree with its partners to work together on technology to develop film-type solar panels. The summit is also expected to adopt an action plan on the shift to clean energy. It would call for investments by the public and private sectors and creating sustainable supply chains. But the members are believed to be divided over reducing dependence on coal-fired thermal power generation and CO2 emissions from automobiles. Turning now to Thailand, where Prime Minister Prayut Chan-o-cha has called for unity after the military-backed ruling parties suffered a heavy defeat in the general election. He congratulated the opposition for their success. Prayut appeared in public for the first time since the election results. His United Thai Nation Party only secured 36 seats in the 500-member lower house. He said he'll continue to perform his duties until the formation of the new government and called on people to work together. I ask every fellow Thai citizen to join hands in building love and unity, as well as stability in the country without any conflict. But he declined to answer a question about whether he'll remain active in politics. The Move Forward Party won the highest number of seats with 152. It held a victory parade in Bangkok late on Monday. Supporters flocked to the Democracy Monument in the city center. We must build a Thailand that we love, where everyone's hopes and dreams can be fulfilled.
The voices of the people are really powerful. I think it will help him overcome any obstacle. The focus now is on whether Move Forward can form a coalition with the Pua Thai Party, which was the largest opposition. It's affiliated with ousted former Prime Minister Thaksin Sinawat and placed second with 141 seats. But it's still possible pro-military parties could choose the next prime minister with support of the Senate, whose members were effectively picked by the military. Those reports were from NHK World Radio Japan. They are now heard from 9.30 to 10 p.m. at 9.865 or on the web at www.3.nhk.or.jp. They also podcast at most sites. All the times they announce are for Pacific Daylight Saving Time, so please adjust them to your time zone. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people to listen to international broadcasts, get a global perspective. You will have to look harder these days because of U.S. and E.U. prohibitions on media. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show. That's outfarpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows, Please consider making a safe donation online through PayPal. There's a link at my website along with the podcast link and get advice for listening at home. This shortwave report, which is now in its 27th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. This shortwave report is produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.